Welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude Scott. I'm your dude Dave. And today we're reviewing 1996's Train Spotting, directed by Danny Boyle, starring Ewan McGregor. Uh, but before we get into that, let's talk about what we've been watching. Dave, what have you been watching? Um, I watched, uh, it's another one that's full of spoilers, so I can't really say anything about it, but it's uh, Take Shelter. Uh, directed by Jeff Nichols uh-huh. uh, from 2011. It's got Michael Shannon and Jessica Chastain. Um, it's a really good movie about like mental illness and paranoia. Good cast. Yes. Oh, dude. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome work that's, that's done in this movie. So, um, but yeah, like I said, it's it's just to, to say anything about it other than just to give those kind of uh, like kind of umbrella terms about it would be to give it away. So, but everybody should see it. It's a good okay. movie. Okay. I think most movies you recommend now are I know. <laughs> are in the same vein. <laughs> I can't say anything about it, but just watch it. I know. I don't know how I keep landing on these, but there it is. I watched um, kind of by committee. I watched uh, the new Adam Sandler movie, The Do Over. The do-over. Yeah, it's on Netflix. It's a Netflix original. David Spade is kind of the leading man in this movie, though. Mm. But that's slowly taken over by Adam Sandler. Naturally. As, as you expect. Of course. And it started off pretty all right. Mm. And slowly devolves into your standard Sandler fare. Homophobic, <laughs> misogynistic, jokes that aren't funny. Uh-huh. There were some gems in there that were good, but yeah. um it's just more mindless pap that you'd expect from this man. Wow. I would recommend nobody watch it. <laughs> it was however better than some of his other movies recently. Oh, well okay, that's 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 something. But still avoid it, I would right. say. Don't don't waste your time. Yeah. Catherine Hahn though is genius in this movie. She's amazing, but unfortunately she's cut down to size. In a way that Adam Sandler would to, to treat women, you know. He has his fingers in in everything he does more than any other non-director I can think mm-hmm. of. I mean, wow. Yeah, so let's move on to a better movie. We're going to do Agreed. Train Spotting. This <laughs> was a, a listener request from Lily. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, Train Spotting is a great movie. Yeah. So, Dave, why don't you give everyone a synopsis? Okay, uh, you know, I'm going to give, I'm going to grant this movie like the vaunted status of, you know, are you kidding me with a synopsis? Um, I know that that seems uh, maybe a bit premature since it's only 20 years old, mm-hmm. uh, but it's, uh, it's the, I guess it's about four, you know, it's about heroin addicts in Edinburgh, but it's also one of these things where, I mean, if you haven't seen this movie, um, you're kind of wasting your life. Yeah, and it's that good. It, it yeah. is. It really is that good and it's really that monumental and, um, you know, this is uh, this is one of the best movies to ever come out of the UK, ever. Um, so everybody should have seen this if they're listening to this podcast. Definitely, and yeah, if you're listening to the podcast, I would expect it. Yes, but this is, it is kind of a movie person's movie though, like mm-hmm. uh, someone who enjoys, like we do. Yeah, getting into the meat of movies. Oh yeah, um, it's not a casual moviegoer type film. It's not yeah. Transformers, you know. <laughs> right. Um, it's. It's the UK Fight Club, I guess you could say. Well, it's yeah. it's it's that, that it's it has in that, that same vein, right? It uh-huh. has that same kind of, like you said, vaulted level, of course, of uh, acclaim, right? So, uh, that's kind of how I think of it too. Like it, it's this hip, cool '90s indie film, yeah. with witty dialogue and fast talking ideas, uh, done extremely well though. And it just keeps aging better and better uh, with oh, rewatchings. Yeah. I mean, I'm always in the mood to watch this movie. Yeah, every time I turn this movie on, I am instantly like thrusted into this world. Yep, and, and just grasped and like mesmerized mm-hmm. by what's on the screen. Yes, and it's partly. I mean, it's everything. It's the script, the dialogue, 
the performances and the direction. I mm-hmm. mean, all of it is so fantastic. Right. Music. You, you, you just, oh, the, and the music. Talk, <laughs> talk about great music. Yeah. One of the best soundtracks out there. And it starts off with just Iggy Pop, Lust <sighs> for Life, and you see, you know, um, Ewan McGregor and Ewan Br- and Bremner running down the street. Uh, you don't know why, uh, but then they just start, you know, Ewan McGregor starts narrating uh, what's going on, uh-huh. and um, it's it's taken right from the book. Um, and by the way, yeah, we should say that this movie is based on the Irvine Welsh yes. novel from 1993, yes. um, which was uh, an, an ep- like a, a non-linear episodic novel. It was originally published in magazines uh-huh. as like mini stories, right? And eventually, he compiled it into a novel, which was a, a huge success. Yes, and John Hodge, the the screenwriter, um, was able to cobble that stuff together and put it into a like a coherent film. Yeah. Um, and also while retaining all of the, the kind of the electricity and great dialogue from the book, mm-hmm. um, it, it's kind of a, a pretty great ad- adaptation achievement, really. And knowing that while watching the movie about how the, the story originally came together, mm-hmm. you can see it in the film because yes. it is kind of these like, Loosely related events just keep happening with yes. these group of friends. You know, they're all mates and they're going through life together as right. heroin addicts, except for Begbie, who's not into heroin, <laughs> right. but he's far worse than any of the ones who are using this drug. Certainly. But uh, the movie really, you, you don't really, there's nothing, there's no like main plot or anything. Kind no, of, not really. Except for maybe. Ewan McGregor trying to get sober is like a main through point. Yeah. But it's a lot of loosely related events that just you, you can't help but be glued to the screen to see these guys go through. And yeah, and, and every time they, they introduce another loosely related event, that becomes kind of the main story. Yeah. yeah. And um <laughs> Right. That's <laughs> you know, true. Like like there there's the moment kind of early on when um when when they're all sitting in the in the pub and Begbie is telling that story about like He's telling a fake story about, about the pool, about playing yeah. pool, yeah. <laughs> talking about how great he was in this tournament, and uh, you get a uh, a freeze frame on Begbie fl- uh, flinging his glass behind him after he's taken another swallow, uh-huh. and then it goes to uh, you know more of you and McGregor's um, narration talking about like that was it, that was Begbie's story, or at least that was his version. And then yeah. we go to Tommy's apartment where Tommy tells the real story. Yes, turns out Begbie was playing like crap. And, uh, you know, he almost killed somebody for, like, opening a bag of chips. Yep. And uh, when we come back, the glass lands, and Begbie goes downstairs to, like, <laughs> supposedly investigate what happened, and he starts a brawl. I forget what he says, but it's – excuse the language, but it's Scottish people. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Who don't give a shit, but he says something, no one's leaving till we find the cunt who's done it, and he's the guy who threw it, <laughs> and everyone's like, who are you? Yes. And then he kicks a guy in the nuts, kicks a guy right and in the a balls. brawl starts. Yep, yep. And it's, I mean, like, and yeah, the the C word, the word yeah. cunt, everybody, is yeah. like, it's, it's something that we've all kind of gotten used to, like film fans, anybody who reads books from the UK. Right. Uh, we know that that word doesn't mean the same over there as it does over here. Right. It's a big slur. It is. Over there, but it over here, people don't really like it. Yeah, people don't, because it's, it's a highly misogynistic term, mm-hmm. but over there, they use it the same way we do the word human. Like, it's, it's just, it, it means a person. <laughs> you human? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's exactly the same. Well, it's that, that's how it is. I mean, like, that's like, how I take maybe, maybe like. Maybe asshole. Maybe motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, what it, like yeah exactly. Something like <laughs> you said that there were three. Oh, God. Oh, God. I, yeah, I know. I, I, C words. Exactly. Okay. I, we've both said it now, and that's probably the. Oh, God. We should not say it anymore. We, we shouldn't say that we're word. We're going to lose right. every listener. Right. <laughs> oh, but this is a perfect intro to Begbie. Yeah. Like, you, you see, he's this guy who's 
psychotic mm-hmm. um, and full of shit. <laughs> he thinks he's hot shit. And, you know, he's a bad dude. Yeah, he like, sure he, is. He will back up what he says yeah. with violence. But he's total full of shit mm-hmm. and thinks that he's, like, the hottest shit in the world. Yes. And um, everyone should, like, worship him, I guess. And, like, right. he's the leader almost kind of in mm-hmm. the group. Like, he has these weird ideas, like... Well, that drug deal was that him or was that um uh well sick that boy sick boy like I, I sick boy actually originally came up with the idea okay, once okay, begby okay. found out about it then well, it he became took his. charge right exor- yeah. like he does all the time oh yeah because he's now he's got a big time drug deal right and he's you know licking his own ass because he thinks <laughs> it's awesome <laughs> right he thinks he's so cool now and when you say that like begby like takes it like is kind of the leader of everybody it's it's just because he's the one guy in the group that like everybody defers to just because he'll get violent if they don't right it's because they're afraid of what he's going to do i right. mean he's pulled a knife on i think everyone in the group yes he has <laughs> <laughs> he sure has and when this happens um it's it's like like there there's nothing there's no it's not a a, a main a main piece of the story, but it's but it's concentrated on like it is, and you're kind of invested in it because um, there's something else that happens, another uh, that, that kind of leads to another unrelated event. Uh-huh. It's when Renton, when Mark is telling us that, that Tommy's telling him the yeah. story. Mark is in Tommy's apartment looking through his videotapes. Yes, you and, and McGregor is Mark Renton. Yes, and okay. he pulls the the the, the soccer movie. Great, I love go- it. One hundred great I goals, <laughs> and he switches the tapes with Tommy's. And what Tommy and his girlfriend Lizzie's uh, homemade, homemade sex porno tape, tape. Yeah. and he borrows it, and um, <laughs> and you know like this movie, I, I I guess we should just say at the beginning like like this movie wouldn't um it wouldn't be the same movie without Ewan McGregor's narration. No, no, it would have a totally different tone. Yes, and, uh, and it's needed. It's definitely needed. This mm-hmm. is great narration. Right. Right, it's it's not an intrusive uh, voiceover. It's, this is like adds to what what you're seeing. Right. It's not there to fix problems with the movie nope. and it's not not there to be superfluous at all it is totally necessary and mm-hmm. it drives the story right it's it's kind of the through line for the whole thing i it mean is, and then you're right they bookend it that is the same right. same thing you know buy your house mortgage payments whatever like <laughs> right. and then at the end you know he's saying like maybe he'll try that uh-huh. like because the movie i guess kind of is about like non-conformity yeah and not you know giving into society's ideas of yes what kind of people you should be and mm-hmm. doing what you want and uh, i guess you know, from the beginning to the end, you see Renton change into a person who kind of isn't looking down on that anymore. Maybe he does want a mortgage now. You right. Know? He doesn't want this drug habit anymore. Right. That's what he did want. Now that's not what he wants. Right. That, he, that's really the only thing, I guess, that, that's the through line of the story. You're right. It's just <laughs> it's just his, yeah, like his, him realizing that all the stuff he was talking about before, it's still true. I mean, it it, yeah. it is still messed up that we all pursued these things, right. but at the same time, you have to be, I guess, become a part of society in some way that doesn't involve just a life of crime, right? And I think it's like he he doesn't look down on it as much as he used to. He's no. like, well, maybe it ain't that bad. Yeah, he's not judgmental about you it. You know, like he look used to what be, right. look what's happened to my life. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's not so bad. You know, <laughs> <laughs> paying student loans or something. Sure, you know? right, right. Choosing DIY and all that stuff. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> Um, the, uh, I, I guess really the, after the whole, 
one thing I loved it was it was a, a scene that was kind of toward the beginning of the movie was when they're all in the club and they're all like trying to kick heroin at the time. Ewan McGregor is, uh, you know, doing the voiceover and he's talking about like how he, he, he you know, he had his sex drive went away because mm-hmm. of, you know, the right. heroin and everything. But in the back of the club, Tommy and Spud, that's Ewan Bremner's character, yeah. Tommy's played by Kevin McKidd, they're having this conversation. And it was it was just it was nothing except something I just really appreciated on this viewing, which is like my fortieth viewing. Now, yeah, is like Danny Boyle leaves the loud club music going, mm-hmm. and you hear Tommy and Spud yelling to one another in in each other's ears, and there's subtitles going yeah. on. Now, most of the time in movies, whenever that whenever two characters have a have a conversation in a loud club. You can totally tell there's a, a cue that just turns the music down yeah. when these characters start yeah. talking. In this one, they didn't do that. They were just like, "We're just gonna have this thing happen." You know? No, I I, I picked that up too. This okay. this viewing also. Right. I was like, "That is such a cool touch, it's man." Because yeah, it's a great move. You actually feel like you're in there yep. because the music's so loud and they're shouting, and it's actually almost humorous in a way because <laughs> you can still kind of hear what they're saying, anyways. Yes, but they're subtitles. Yeah, and that's right. Exactly. Like, do you even need them? And the it's subtitles are kind of like the gist of what they're saying. Yeah. Um, like it's it's not a, it's not exactly word for word dialogue, which is so cool. It's a great touch. And it's such a, that's such a great scene. And I love the end of that scene yes. when um the girls walk Shirley Henderson and uh, who plays Lizzie. I, can't I don't who know who Lizzie, plays Lizzie, yeah. but the the two of them they're spuds and uh, Tommy's <laughs> girlfriends, and they're in the bathroom powdering their nose or whatever. Yes. So they're all out there bitching, and then the girls are in the bathrooms bitching about the boys, and <laughs> they come back, and the girls say, what you talking about? And they both go, football? football? <laughs> what are you talking about? And they go, shopping? In unison, they yeah. say shopping. I know. It's it's excellent. <laughs> it's and, great. And they've, they've both been talking about the same subject apart from one another, uh-huh. is about how they're not having sex. Yeah. Uh, and it turns out that the women are, uh, or at least, you know, Shirley Henderson is, like, withholding sex from right. Spud. Yeah. Um, you know, in... in, in <laughs> She read it in Cosmo. She read it in Cosmo, exactly, yeah, in order to get something from him. And I, I think those two words, football and shopping, is like the oh, most stereotypical yes. thing you could say that mm-hmm. you were talking about right. in those situations. Of course, because it, that's probably what they were, you know, of course, that, that would, that's a perfect answer. <laughs> football and shopping. And I think all four of them know it's total bullshit. Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Tommy and Spud know that, that, that Shirley Henderson and Lizzie were in there mm-hmm. probably like like triumphantly talking about how she's not fucking Spud. And then and Lizzie even says, well, she says, Lizzie, you should try it. And uh-huh. she's like, why and deny the one thing that he gives me that makes me happy? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> poor Tommy, dude. I know. Poor Tommy. Yeah, poor Tommy What, what a tragic figure in yeah, this movie. right. He doesn't do heroin until right. Lizzie leaves him because yep. of the whole sex tape incident. Yeah. <laughs> And you see him go downhill, man, and eventually at, towards the end of the movie, he ends up dying mm-hmm. from HIV. Yes. Because, you know, Renton got him hooked on it. And it, it's tragic, and it's it happens probably all the time in this kind of world, mm-hmm. the heroin world. Yes. I'm, I don't know much about it, but I'm sure it happens a lot, and it, it's really sad. Mm-hmm. And that's great about this movie. It It's fun, and you like like these people, and it's just a good time mm-hmm. to hang out with these people. But it doesn't shy away from, like, the dark side of this world. Certainly not. Yeah, like, your friend's dead because you got him hooked. It's Mm -hmm. your fault. Right. You know? It goes, it goes, like, like, And it goes worse than that, too. Yeah, yeah, it's... Like, the baby. Oh, man. It is, um... It's very hard to watch this part of the movie. Yes, it is. Because they have a a flat 
and that's where they go to do all their heroin. It's where Mother Superior. Yeah, Mother lives. Superior, this like bald leather jacket wearing dude. <laughs> yes. They call him that because of the length of time he's been doing it. He's yeah. like the cardinal of the, yes, exactly. like, the whole operation. <laughs> like, he's been a heroin addict for like 40 years apparently and like and they all they all congregated his house to like get heroin and and there's uh there's a woman that lives there who has a baby who has a like a, a yeah an infant daughter uh, a one year old maybe at the right. most yeah she's you see her crawling around and, and you know like it, it's a, it's a disgusting place you know full of drugs and everything um and she eventually this baby just out of nowhere like in the movie succumbs to like uh like i guess death by neglect neglect yeah mm-hmm. and they and you see this this uh grayed corpse in the in the bassinet it's been there a while yeah like a month. Yep. And uh, it's a terrible thing to see. Yeah. But it's stuff that happens mm-hmm. in this world. Right. And I'm sure who was what's the guy Irving the Ir- Ro- Irvine Welsh. Yeah, he was involved in this. It's Oh yeah. Um, it's semi autobiographical right. this stuff. Right. So I don't know if he experienced something like this, but I'm sure it's happened of course. a lot. And Danny Boyle I guess it's not just him, but whoever adapted the story. John Hodge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The two of them together make this part of the script, the way they do it on the screen, is just phenomenal. Uh, because they show the baby multiple times just crawling around before this happens. Uh-huh. And the baby looks happy. Yeah. Um, looks and nourished. it looks clean yeah. and happy. Right. And... Uh, Crawling around, you know, passed out drug addicts. Yes. Uh, but the baby's fine. Yep. And you're thinking, what the hell is this baby doing here, man? And eventually, it just goes to that scene, and the baby's in the bassinet, completely mm-hmm. dead. And I think the way that, that it's portrayed is that that's what the mother was thinking about the child. Yes. Like, this baby's fine. Like, yes. oh, the baby's happy crawling around. It's fine. And then one day, she snaps out of it, you know, a month later. Right. Oh, the baby's fucking dead, man. It's so gross. You're right because I, yeah. I hadn't even thought about that until just now. That you don't see the baby deteriorate. It's it's healthy. It's instant in one scene, and then the next, it's been dead for a month. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, it, it it and it it stops the movie. Like, I mean, it stops every character dead. Yeah, they they all gather around the the, the crib there. Allison is screaming her head off. You know, like like not knowing what to do. And they, they never reveal who the father is up until that point um, when you find out that – you kind of know it's Sick Boy uh, because of an earlier scene where they were – Right. Uh, he was talking to her about Sean, Sean Connery, Connery. <laughs> while he was cooking up. <laughs> that's that that's Sick Boy. Johnny Lee Miller's character's main thing is he knows everything about Sean Connery. Right. And he talks about him anytime he, any chance he gets. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when, he, when Sick Boy is standing over the crib – and actually breaks down. He's the only of the males that cries, and he cries really hard. Yeah, you know that. You know, and and uh, Mark Renton says it over the narration in the ensuing scene is that th- this is what has changed Sick Boy. Something died in yep. him. Too. He was never the same after that. Right. And uh, <laughs> going to a more like positive subject. Okay. I guess. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> his his obsession with Sean Connery is just hilarious. It like, is. He knows every single thing about him. Yeah. And. Like, it seems like half of it he's making up to, though. (laughs) He just thinks he's, like, the authority on Sean Connery. Well, the the, the one that he's definitely, like, when he's talking about making up is is the speech he gives. um, It's They're they're playing uh, another Iggy Pop song, I think it is, Nightclubbin'. Mm. And um, it's kind of a montage where you see various things happening. And Sick Boy is putting a suit on Uh and explaining... 
um, why it's unbelievable that, that that pussy galore is is kind of the the uh, epitome of femininity. Yeah. Um, I, I I love I love all these sick boy rants, but but I think that this one is, is definitely more just he's not he's not talking about movies at this point. He's giving his own opinions. He, he's sprinkling his own thoughts about right, what's yeah. going on because he's saying that like if she'd he he says if she'd shag one punter from Edinburgh, she'd shagged a lot of us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I mean, it, it's it's such something that only a heroin act would come up with. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I like when uh, Renton questions him about how he's deteriorated in modern times. Yeah. Well, up through mid the early nineties, you know. Yes. Uh, and he's like, "Well, what about the Untouchables?" He's like, "Fuck the Academy." <laughs> I don't rate yeah, that at all. Yeah. <laughs> And he even like he, the 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 really smart thing he says in that rant is when he says that the he he starts it off with like that that uh, that the name of the rose is just a blip on an otherwise downward trajectory. Right. <laughs> it's like yeah, I guess it is. I guess the eighties and nineties did suck for Sean Connery, and that the they name of the rose did, was dude. it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he's right. Sick boy's right about that for sure. <laughs> so I've mentioned like the filmmaking part of this, mm-hmm. and like I. A lot of the cool stuff in this movie is the the camera tricks they're yeah. doing mm-hmm. with like moving rooms and the toilet dive. Like yeah, that is yeah, awesome. Yeah. That's wow. That's a. Uh, let's talk about the toilet dive. Yeah, let's do it. Man. <laughs> He's got um, Renton Ewan McGregor has some suppositories in his suppository, and uh, <laughs> he's trying to get off the junk, uh-huh. and he says it makes you constipated, and now uh, he has to go. <laughs> so yeah, now he has, to, he has to go really bad. So he goes into a public bathroom and. When he closes the door, it says bathroom, and then words appear. It says worst, or worst it says toilet. toilet, worst toilet in Scotland. Worst toilet in Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes in. It's disgusting. Uh-huh. It looks like the set of Saw. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> he ends up, he goes, man. When you're desperate, you gotta go. You gotta go. You know. And he loses his suppositories. <laughs> so, being the drug addict that he is, goes diving for it, and he quite literally gets sucked into the toilet, mm-hmm. and. It's it's amazing that they portray it this way. He's like diving in these pristine ocean waters. Yes. Uh with the sun gleaming in above him and he finds the suppositories at the bottom. <laughs> and it's it's like glory, man. He's like found the buried treasure. <laughs> but really, he's digging through a shit-covered toilet, man. Cuz in his addled mind, this is what that moment is. Yeah. And he you know, he yells, "Yes, a fucking godsend." And <laughs> while he's underwater. While he's underwater, so yeah. he's gurgling this. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, like it. Uh, we know what actually this is. <laughs> He's digging in a toilet that hasn't been flushed in thirty years, right? Um, and he I mean, breaks the handle when he, he tries to yes, flush it because yes. it's just that shitty. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and um, when he does emerge from the from the toilet, you know, he quite literally comes out of the toilet yeah. and he's covered in filth. Um, we know that this whole thing we just watched was a surreal, like kind of uh, representation of, of of an addict going through a toilet. Right. But when he arrives back at his flat, his clothes are right. covered in 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 He's water, soaking wet. Yes, I, and I think maybe that's just you know that's probably just Danny Boyle messing with us. You it know? could be. But I actually wrote that down. I wanted okay. to ask you what you thought about oh, that. Okay, so I'm glad yeah. you brought it up. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, I take that as just that. That's that's something we're putting in here, and you know, leave it up to everybody to figure out. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> right. So. 
I guess briefly we can talk about because there's the sequel coming out, and that's kind of why we are doing this movie. Yeah. So the sequel is a book that was written about ten years ago, I think. Uh, called written, Porno. Yeah, it was written in two thousand two, actually. Okay. Yeah. Have you read any of the books? I have read the first book. I've okay. not read Porno, and I've not read the prequel. Oh, there's uh, a prequel. Yeah, the prequel was done in twenty twelve. I can't remember the title off huh. the top of my head. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I, I I'm anxious to read the prequel and Porno. Yeah, and now that they're making. A film version of porno. Yeah. Uh, with all the original cast, by the way. T2. Uh, yeah, T2. Exactly. <laughs> That's what it's called on IMDb. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, it's like you take a classic and yeah. try to make a sequel. Like, that's usually not a good thing. Uh, yeah. But from everything I've heard about this movie, the script is amazing. Ewan McGregor has said it himself. Danny Boyle's saying it. Everybody, uh-huh. it's it's the original screenwriter too, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's John Hodge. So, I'm excited to see what happens. It's, I mean, if everybody signed on, if the whole, if yeah. they're able to get everybody back, it's got to be worth something. Everyone. I mean, twenty years later, mm-hmm. and everybody's willing to come back and do this, yeah. and, and they're all busy actors. I mean, you know, like this everyone's is, career has taken off. A- exactly. That's for sure. Everyone's doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if they can get everybody back, this must be worth seeing. Um, I'm going to see it. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. I'm seeing it. Yeah. Um, I, I think we should also talk about, uh, the, the other kind of like, I guess, um, like big sequence in the movie is when is after, after Renton, uh, Renton and Spud, Renton and Spud, they, they get, they get like sort of, um, captured by the police for, for yeah. burgling a store. Yeah. And, um, like Spud goes to jail and Renton is, is like, you know, told you can do, you're, we're going to put you on the methadone, uh, program. Right. And you have to get a job. Well, he of course, you know, screws that up and goes to mother superiors, takes a big shot and, uh, you know, like overdoses to Lou Reed. Right. And. When, as you do, as, of course, like like you, yeah, that, that's what everybody does, you know. Yep, and again, the camera tricks here are uh-huh. great. Yep, he, he sinks into the he floor. He sinks into the ground, and the the camera has carpet on the sides. That's of right. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's he's a great buried effect. into the ground. And then, th- and then throughout the rest of the sequence, remember you see it from Renton's point of view. The carpet is still there. It's yeah. like you're watching it in widescreen, mm-hmm. or you know. Yeah. Um, and then his parents finally take him home, and they lock him in a room, and he's going to kick heroin cold turkey. Yep. And uh, that's when he starts having these, you know, terrifying hallucinations. And throughout all of the hallucinations, everything, all the visitors into his room that are imaginary, the baby that died earlier is crawling along the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably the most famous sequence in the movie. It's, it's, it's I don't know if it is my favorite, but it is mm-hmm. one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Yeah. Sequences. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely the one most, you know, like most referenced, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, I've seen this movie. I don't know how many times I've seen this movie. And that scene, when that baby has the exorcist head yeah. spin around, mm-hmm. it's still, it's, I, I still can't watch it. I, I, I actually still like, like kind of wince and turn away a little bit when it, yeah. when it falls off mm-hmm. the ceiling and. Right. And it's like the camera falls yeah. right into you. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, oh dude. Oh, it's so messed up. It's amazing filmmaking. Here. It is. <laughs> it, is it is great stuff. Because they're they're just they're just whatever is the most terrifying thing you can think of. We're gonna put that in here. The scene I always wince at mm-hmm. is when Begbie kicks the shit out of that guy in the bar. Yeah. He, okay, so this is near the end of the movie after they make the big drug deal. Yeah. That we were talking about. Uh-huh. And you know what? So like, it's all these loosely related events, and these guys. You you would not like these dudes in real life, 
but you just want them to make that drug deal. You feel so happy when they do it. Don't you just rejoice like when they make the deal? You're yeah. like, yes. Yeah, you yes. celebrate with we them. We did right. it. Yeah, exactly. Like, this went, oh my yeah. God, this went really that well. That was amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then they're at the bar <laughs> with their $16,000, uh-huh. which that's a lot of money. It's a wow. huge amount of money, right. So Begbie goes to get a round of beers, and he's carrying all his pints, and Begbie bumps into the guy. Yeah. The guy didn't bump into him. Nope. But Begbie, being the person he is, turns around and starts calling them names. Says the C word a few thousand times, I think. <laughs> and the guy takes the blame. Says, yep. I'm sorry, I'll buy you more beer. And then Begbie just isn't having it. Mm-hmm. And he takes one of the glasses of beer, one of the pints, and shoves it into the mouth of this dude. Cuts his face wide open. Then starts kicking him in the face while he's on the ground. And it is disgusting yep you, you see blood flying everywhere right it's pretty gruesome and this he pulls out his knife to stab him ends up cutting you and bremner's hand on yep. an accident doesn't stab the guy i don't think he stabs anyone in the movie actually he doesn't he never gets to use that he knife. never gets to the the most he gets to it is cutting uh spud's hand a little right and this is what i've been saying about him being like the unofficial leader because mm-hmm. then he is standing around and he makes rent and light a cigarette for him and yeah. give it to him. Right. While they're standing there over this half-dead man. <laughs> this is a bad dude. Yeah. But I cannot watch this scene. <laughs> I, like, almost turn my head every time. Earlier in the movie, the, the, the scene where, where, where he, he threw the glass behind uh-huh. him, he uses the word glassed. Like, he says, you know, she got glassed and no one finds... Okay. No when he glasses this guy, <sighs> which, I mean, I... I, I oh. And I didn't. I well, the first, the first, first time I saw it, I thought he like sliced his throat with it or something like. I thought he like like actually was. Yeah, you, you know, you can't really tell. But then the second time I watched it, I was like, okay, yeah, he busted the glass on the guy's chin. Yeah, he like shoves it top yes. end in right. to his mouth. Like right. his chin goes, his chin goes into the glass of beer. Yes. So imagine the perimeter of that glass where that's going. Right. At a full force. Right. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's it's hard enough to break the glass. And the, and the guy who who he does this to, like like you said, he apologized and kind of takes the blame for it. Uh-huh. He tries to take the blame for it like three or four more times. Right, right. And he just keeps and and Francis just isn't having it. Mm-hmm. And finally, he tells Francis what everybody in the movies were wanting to tell Francis. He tells him to fuck off. Yep. He says, if you can't hold a pint, then get out of the pub. Yep. Which is like, and that's what sets Francis off. You see a cigarette drop, and you know, oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, it's now it's time. And like, we should also mention that if you haven't seen this movie, which you know, I hope you have, because we are, we're spoiling it exactly. We, we're spoiling you should still go the see it, by yes, the way, of course. But Robert Carlyle, the guy who plays Francis, not only is he great in this role, but he is uh, physically slight. Yeah, uh, he, he is. He's he is very thin. A small dude. He's short and thin. He might be pulling one twenty five, yep. maybe. And he's the biggest bad. He he's he's. I wouldn't say he's the biggest badass. Well, he actually kind of is. He's a tough, tough guy. He is. He's a scary man. He's really, really frightening. Um, and that makes him even more, I guess, like. Uh, frightening is is that he's this tiny guy who's just ready for anything, kind of like Tony Montana almost. I was just gonna say that, yeah. man. <laughs> exactly. All he wants to do is fight every uh, everybody he sees. Um, yeah, he and... wants to fuck his sister too. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> when Francis has that mountain of coke on his face. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the um, and and that like th- that particular sequence is when like like and when Renton kind of gives him that cigarette. 
you, you know the wheels are in motion in Renton's mind of what he has to do. Yeah, you and know, he had already just said, what if we just took this money and ran? Like, he's talking to Spud. He talked to Spud and said, what, what if, if we, we just, just took, took it? it? Right. Yeah. And then Sick, when Sick Boy gets back from the bathroom, he says, oh, the money's still here. He says, oh, well, we wouldn't have run out of the mate. He goes, why not? I know I would. Mm-hmm. They're all plotting against each other, all four of these guys. Well, except Spud. Spud's kind of the man caught in the middle of all this. Yes, just like, like he is in everything in life. Yeah. You know, Spud is like a totally like... um kind of blameless guy throughout most of what happens in the movie and mm-hmm. he's 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 the one guy who you probably would be okay being friends with as long as he wasn't doing heroin um but you know he's uh he's a really innocent dude just trapped in everything that happens to him so. yep just because somehow he's fallen in with these guys yeah and not that's what he's that's his thing right Those drugs with these guys mm-hmm. you know um and it's totally fucked up his life right exactly <laughs> exactly and renton renton even says that at the end when he's taking the money yes He's he's uh, kind of I think in the voiceover he's saying like how terrible Begbie is and sick boy like fuck those guys yeah I feel sorry for Spud though he's the one guy he feels sorry yep. for and he ends up leaving him a little bit of money at the end it's the most triumphant moment like before the credits is yeah. is he leaves two grand for Spud in a locker and Spud you see Spud get it and just be really excited yep that's the final shot really right. and you're like yeah <laughs> <Yes>. Spud <laughs> <laughs> um and you know. There's another character that we haven't mentioned yet. It's Diane. Uh, yes, Kelly McDonald. Kelly McDonald. Yeah, and the um, love of my life. <laughs> she's something else, man. She's I a know. great actress. She's dude. a great actress. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Gosford Park. She's uh, amazing in that. I just watched Finding Neverland. And oh, she's Peter yeah. Pan in that yeah, movie. That's right. I, I was like yep. totally shocked. Exactly. <laughs> and then No Country for Old Men, of course. Oh, and, and- uh, how can she have that accent in that movie? Who knows? How can you go from Scotland to Texas? We have to flawlessly. We have to attend RADA like 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 they do. Yeah, <laughs> and and find out what these secrets are because yeah, I, I I have no idea. It's good stuff. Yeah, but yeah, her performance is great, and she's kind of you and Mc you and McBremner. <laughs> <laughs> You knew it was going to happen, dude. Oh, I knew it was going to happen. We, we talked about it earlier how we've never met anyone named Ewan, but there are two in one movie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Ewan McGregor, <laughs> Renton, she's kind of his love interest in yes. the movie. They hook up at the bar, and in an amazing sequence, um, <laughs> they're all leaving the bar to go get laid uh, with their respective girlfriends or women, yeah. and Tommy and his girlfriend Lizzie are going to go, uh, and they want to watch their own sex tape while they do it, Sure, but as we know already, it has been swiped yep. <laughs> and replaced with um, football goals. 100, 100 great goals, yeah. 100 great goals on VHS. <laughs> Which is a tape I want. And uh, <laughs> so then Ewan McGregor <laughs> goes back with Diane, and they, they have sex, and it's the first time he's had sex in ages, yeah. he, he says, and after they finish, it's interspliced with Tommy's love affair uh with the soccer goal being kicked and i forget exactly what he says but as soon as that guy's kicking the goal like the voiceover is like man i haven't felt that good since since archie gemmel scored against holland in 78 yeah and it's the goal yes. you know <laughs> that's epic <laughs> it's so brilliant it is so brilliant <laughs> and then as 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 you had yeah, it you got yeah, it Dave. i knew it right <laughs> as renton is like now he's sweaty and spent on the bed um Diane Kelly McDonald like dismounts him mm-hmm. and immediately puts her dress back on, picks up all his clothes and shoves him forcefully out of her room and says, "Now sleep on the sofa in the hall." Mm-hmm. He doesn't understand what's going on right. until he wakes up the next morning and finds out that that Diane is actually about you know like fifteen years old. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, not not good for not him. Not good. No, no. And <laughs> he even says, you know what happens to guys like me in jail? They cut off your nuts and flush them. <laughs> Which is, yeah. I, I, you know, like usually people say they, they, they you know, like they, they rape you in prison. But uh-huh. he says they cut off your balls and flush them down the fucking toilet, which uh-huh. is about the best thing I've ever heard yep. for, like, something happens in prison. I mean, good God, I hope she's it's not like, that bad. She's trying to hold his hand while yes. they're walking. He's like, stop it. <laughs> and she knows what she's doing. Of course. She's fucking with him. Yes. <laughs> and, and my favorite Diane moment happens after he gets clean and comes to his house, like, mm-hmm. comes to his flat. Mm-hmm. And um, she starts lecturing him about life, telling uh-huh. him he's not getting any younger. And she says, you can't just lie here all day smoking hash and dreaming about Ziggy Pop. Ziggy Pop, yeah. <laughs> he says, it's Iggy Pop. And she says, the, my favorite line, it goes, whatever, the guy's dead anyway. <laughs> he's like, he's not dead. <laughs> Another Iggy Pop thing in this movie that I love, I picked it up this time, is when Tommy and his girlfriend are... His girlfriend Lizzie hates that he likes Iggy Pop, right. and he even she, he had tickets to Iggy Pop, and she <laughs> said it's Iggy or me. <laughs> and Spud asked him, "Well, what are you gonna do?" He's like, "I already paid for the tickets." <laughs> and then when they're at their at Tommy's apartment getting ready to shag, there's an Iggy Pop poster like in the background, like right behind him. That's. It, there's nothing else in the frame except right. those two people and Iggy Pop. Yep, and and you see it later too when his yeah. when his apartment has kind of gone to seed after uh-huh. he's gotten sick, and you see it. I think it's behind the kitten. Oh yeah, like the kitten is sitting in front of the flat soccer ball, and there's a picture of Iggy Pop. And the kitten was okay. And the kitten was fine. <laughs> they had to make uh, yeah. babies can die. Exactly. But yes, you animals. To... Yes. No way. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and um, I, I guess like the only other thing to to to, to really mention, I, the thing that I wanted to mention too was that this is actually, um, it's this the, this film was the second adaptation of Irvine Welsh's original novel. There had been a stage play. Oh yes, yes, yeah. yes. And Ewan Bremner had played Renton. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. Which would have been swapping out the Ewans. Yes. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, I, I, it's hard for me to like picture what that would have been like because Ewan Bremner is so good as Spud, uh-huh. um, and so memorable. Um, but but I mean, he's a a really great actor too. And I I, I would still I, I wish footage existed of his stage performances because I'd love to see it. I wonder if it does. It, it, yeah, I, I bet there's something. It has to be something, but right. dude. That is, I did not know that. That yeah. is quite a little nugget of Absolutely. information right there. Right. <laughs> Holy shit. Yep. Awesome, dude. Um, anything else you want to talk about with this movie real quick before um, we wrap it up? Yeah, I guess just that, that um, if, if you like Mike Lee, um, many of his stable are in this movie. Mm-hmm. A lot of them. Yep. Yep, yep. Uh, Spud. Yep. Uh, Ewan Bremner. He was in Naked. Mm-hmm. Um, Tommy and... Shirley Henderson. And, yep, Shirley H- Henderson. Gail. Yep. They're both in Topsy Turvy. Correct. And Shirley Henderson is amazing in that movie. That's, That's my favorite I, performance I, in the movie. I know. Oh, I, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, Shirley Henderson, Topsy Turvy, is, is she shines in that movie. No, really, no doubt. It really is the best thing I've ever seen her do. Right. It's great. Uh, I guess, is there anything else now? Uh, I, can't, I can't think of anything else that we haven't yeah. covered. Yeah. Okay, well, Dave, would you recommend this movie? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see train spotting, everybody. Me too. <laughs> I'm not going to explain why. Right, already exactly. Know. I mean, everybody, look, I, you, 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 if you're... 
I've figured out how many times I've said, if you're listening to this podcast on this podcast, it's quite a few. It's quite a few. I've said it. I'm gonna say it again. I guess if you're listening to this, you know, obviously you've seen this movie, or you better how you better be seeing this movie pretty directly, mm-hmm. um, or you know, or else you're you're just you're you're missing out on something great. It's on Netflix instant. Yeah. You, um, you have no excuse now. Not at all. If, unless you don't have Netflix, but um, uh, there, there's got to be a a, a video store nearby. You know, you, you get Tommy and Lizzie Volume uh, 1 yeah, and, and Train Spotting, and you'll be set. <laughs> hundred great goals. <laughs> all of it, man. Yes, dude. Oh, man. So, yeah. That about wraps up the show. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our show in iTunes, rate it, review it, and most of all, share it with all your other dudes, because more dudes means the dudes can keep doing the dude thing. That's here. right. Also, you can go to dudesonmovies.com and just find anything you need right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are also on Facebook. Just look for us there, and and you know, it just just go to Dudes on Movies on Facebook, and and we'll we'll come right up. We also have an email address, dudesonmovies at gmail.com. Drop us a line about movies. Yes, definitely. And this, as we said earlier, it's Dudes on Demand Month. June is Dudes on Demand Month, mm-hmm. so uh, you still have some time to get requests in. Spots are filling up. We're almost done here, folks. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But we have four more episodes after this. And next week ep- week's episode is 1989's No Holds Barred, directed by Thomas J. Wright, and it stars Hulk Hogan. Uh, <laughs> this comes from our buddy Adrian, actually. So yeah. thanks for the request, and uh, we're really looking forward to this one, man. It's going to be fun, yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Yeah.